Chapter Seventeen of The Way of the Wind by Zoe Anderson Norris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Chapter Seventeen. The days are long in the desert. Sometimes they seem to be endless. When the wind would permit, Seth endeavored to find comfort in digging in the soil into which we must all descend in getting near to it, in plowing it, often with apparent aimlessness, never being able to count upon the harvest, but buoying up his soul with hope of the yield. But there were days of wind and rain and sleet and cold stormy weather when all animals of the desert, whether human or four-footed, were glad to seek their holes on the ground and stay there. These days Seth spent in building the beautiful house. He sat before the dim half-window, drawing the plan, Cyclona beside him, watching him. Sometimes he called her Cyclona, and then again he called her Charlie, for what with his grief and the wail of the wind, his mind had become momentarily dazed. Full well Cyclona knew the story of the Magic City, having heard it again and again, but it was only of late when Seth had given up all hope of Celia's returning to the dugout that he commenced to plan the beautiful house. "'When the wise men come out of the east,' Seth told her, "'and buy up our land for the magic city, we shall be rich. It is then that I shall build this beautiful house, so beautiful that she must come and live in it with us.' Cyclona leaned over the table on her elbows, looking at the plan. Her dark eyes were sad, for she knew that by us Seth meant Charlie and himself. He ran his pencil over the plan, showing how the beautiful house was to be built, somewhat after the fashion of a southern house modernized. A southern woman, he explained, must live in a house which would remind her of her home and still be so beautiful that not for one instant would she regret that home or the land of her birth which she had left for it. "'A species of insanity it is,' he muttered, to bring such a woman to a hole in the ground. He bit his lip and frowned. "'For there are women in whom the love of home, of country, is paramount. Above all human things, above husband, above children, she loves her home. Child! Celia has no child!' Cyclona, has no one written to Celia that she has no child? This wildly, his eyes insanely bright. It is just as well, soothed Cyclona. It doesn't matter. She never knew him. It seemed to Cyclona that she could see the lonely resting place of the child reflected in Seth's eyes, so firmly was his mind fixed upon it. You are right, Cyclona, he said by and by. You are right. It is just as well. It might grieve her, although it is as you say, she never knew him. Cyclona traced a line of the plan of the beautiful house. Tell me about it, she said. It is her nature, insisted Seth almost fiercely, and we can no more change our nature, the instinct that is born in us, that is inherited, then we can change the place of our birth. Can we teach the fish to fly, or the bird to swim, 
or the blind mole to live above the cool, soft earth in which centuries of ancestral moles have delighted to burrow? Then no more can you teach a woman in whom the love of country is paramount to love another country. Only by the gentlest measures may you wean her from it. Only by giving her in this strange new country something more beautiful than any other thing she has ever known. And that, he finished, is why I am going to build the beautiful house. He fell to dreaming audibly. All of these were of costly stones, according to the measure of huge stones, sawed with saws within and without, he muttered, even from the foundation upon the copen, and so on the outside toward the great court. Cyclona reached up, took down from a shelf a well-thumbed book, which, since books are scarce on the desert, both knew by heart, and opened it at the Book of Kings. "'Seth,' she said, presently, touching him on the shoulder, "'aren't you getting this house mixed up with the house of the Lord?' "'No,' smiled Seth, "'with the house that Solomon built for Pharaoh's daughter whom he had taken to wife.' He went on softly, "'And the foundation was of costly stones, even great stones, stones of ten cubits and stones of eight cubits.' and above were costly stone, after the measure of huge stones and cedars. "'Seth,' said Cyclona, to whom no dream was too fanciful, "'are you going to build this house just like that one?' "'If I could, I would,' Seth made reply, and then went on dreaming his dream aloud. "'And he made the pillars and the two rows around about upon the network to cover the chapiters that were upon the top with pomegranates, and so did he for the other chapiter. And the chapiters that were upon the tip of the pillars were of lily work in the porch for cubits. Lily work, he lingered over the words, smiling at the musical poetry. After a while he began again to talk of the beautiful house, which should have every improvement, a marble bath, and it was a handbreadth thick, interrupted Cyclona, and the brim thereof was wrought like the brim of a cup, with flowers of lilies. It contained two thousand baths. If you could, would you build her a bath like that, Seth? she questioned. I would, replied Seth. And as for the lights? There were windows in three rows, read Cyclona and light was against light in three ranks. "'Lights!' exclaimed Seth. "'Little electric lights tricked out with fancy globes of rose color matching the roses in her cheeks.' He dropped his pencil and gazed ahead of him. "'Do you know,' he asked dreamily, "'how I shall match that rose color of her cheek, not having her by?' I shall take the inner petal of a rose and make the little lights the color of that. Cyclona arose and walked over to a bit of glass that hung on the wall. She frowned at the reflection of her brown cheek there. A tender and delicate rose underlay the brown, but her eyes saw no beauty in it. She sighed as she came back and once more sat down. 
"'I shall have the beautiful house agleam with lights,' went on Seth, who had failed to notice the interruption. "'Lights at the sight of which Solomon would have stood aghast, that splendid old aristocrat whose most magnificent temples were dimly lit by candles. Windows in three rows. Windows in a dozen rows, out of which her blue eyes shall look on smooth green swads and flowers. The house shall gleam alight with windows. There shall be no dark spot in it. Windowless houses are for creatures of a clay less fine than hers, repeated tenderly, of less fine clay. She is a being created to bask in the sunshine. She shall bask in it. These windows shall be thrown wide open to the sun, upstairs and down. Not a speck nor spot shall maw their cleanliness, lest a ray of light escape. Those who live in darkness wilt within and without. She shall not live in darkness. Never again. Never again shall she live in a hole in the ground. After a time, Is it possible, he mused, half to himself, half to Cyclona, to build a house without a cellar? I don't know, said Cyclona whose knowledge of houses was limited to her own, whose roof was still upside down, and dugouts. "'If I could build this house without a cellar,' said Seth, "'I would.' Cyclona again read from the book. "'It stood upon twelve oxen,' she read, three looking toward the north, and three looking toward the west, and three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east. "'Why not stand it on oxen like that, Seth?' she questioned. Seth laughed. "'That wasn't the house,' said he. "'That was the molten sea.' "'Oh!' exclaimed Cyclona. "'I know now. The foundation was of stone made ready before they were brought hither, costly stones, great stones.' It must have a foundation of some sort, she argued, keeping her finger on the place as she looked up, or it will blow away. Of course, assented Seth, or it will blow away. Well, if it must, it must. But we will put half windows into that cellar so it won't be dark, so it won't be like this, a hole in the ground. We will light it with electrics. But we won't talk of the cellar. That saddens me. I am tired of living in the hole in the ground myself sometimes. We will talk of the beautiful rooms above ground that we will build for her. Look, you enter a wide door whose threshold her little feet will press. She will trail up this stairway. And he let his pencil linger lovingly over the place. In her silks and velvets, followed by her maids, and there on the second landing she will find palms and the flowers she loves best, and her own white room with its bed of gold covered with lace so delicate, delicate as she is. Soft, filmy lace fit for a princess, for that is what she is. There will be bits of spindle-legged golden furniture about in this white bedroom of hers, 
and pier-glasses that will make a dozen of her. That will make twenty of her. We will arrange it so, for there cannot be too many reflections, can there, of so gracious and lovely a princess? Once more Cyclona tapped him on the shoulder. "'Seth,' said she, "'where is the room for the prince?' Seth looked up at her vacantly. It was some time before he answered. Then his answer showed vagueness, for what with the howl of the wind and the eternal presence in the closet of his soul of the skeleton of despair, his mind had become a little erratic at times. "'When the prince has proven himself worthy to be the prince consort of so wonderful a princess,' he replied, then he too may come and live in the beautiful house, but not until then. His thoughts harked back to the cellar. Staring ahead of him, he saw the slight figure of a woman silhouetted against the tender pearl of the evening sky, eyes staring affrightedly into the darkened door of a dugout, a fluff of yellow hair like a halo about the beautiful face. A cellar is a hole in the ground, he sighed. A cellar is a hole in the ground. There shall be nothing about this house I shall build for the princess in any way resembling a hole in the ground. Holes in the ground are for wolves and prairie dogs and... And us, Cyclona finished grimly, then smiled. Seth, drawing himself up, gazed at her. In her own wild way, Cyclona had grown to be beautiful still brown as a gypsy, but large of eye and red of lip. She might have passed for a type of creole or a study in bronze as she faced him with that little smile of defiance on her red lips. Too beautiful she was for a dugout, true, and yet the dusky brownish-gray of the earth-colored walls served, in a way, to set off her rich dark coloring. Seth returned to the plan. "'And for us,' he assented humbly. "'We must build it of stone,' he continued. "'White stone. Stone never blows away. "'It will be finished, too, with the finest of wood, covered—' "'Wait!' cried Cyclona, turning over the leaves of the book. "'And he built the walls of the house with boards of cedar, "'both the floor of the house and the walls of the ceiling.' and he covered them on the inside with wood and covered the floor of the house with planks of fir. Cedar, nodded Seth. It would be well to build it of cedar. The cedar is a southern tree. It would remind her of home. We will finish it then with cedar and polish it so well that like the mirrors it will reflect her face as she walks about. Here will be the music room. It shall have a piano made of the same rich wood. It will look as if it were built in the house. There shall be guitars and mandolins. She plays the guitar, little Cyclona, the princess. You should see her small white hands as she fingers the strings. I will have a low divan of many cushions here by the window of the music room. She shall sit here in her beautiful gown of silk, white silk, for white becomes her best, her beauty is so dainty. 
she shall sit here in her white silk gown and play and play and sing those southern songs of hers that are so full of music he dropped his pencil and sat very still for a space looking ahead of him out of the window the panorama framed by its limited sash of willful winds playing havoc with the clouds became obliterated by the picture of her sitting by a wide and sunny window backed by those gay pillows thrumming with slim white fingers on the guitar and singing again cyclona waked him from his daydream with a touch he ran his fingers through his hair staring at her is that you charlie he asked her not charlie she answered cyclona i beg your pardon he said very often now you seem to me to be charlie i don't know why tell me more about the princess soothed cyclona is she so beautiful beautiful echoed seth she is fit for any palace she is so beautiful and when the wise men come out of the east we will build it for her it shall have gold doorknobs and jeweled ornaments and rare birds of gay plumage to sing and keep her company and painted ceilings and little cupids carved in marble and there shall be graven images set on onyx pedestals and some curious hindu gods squatting and a turkish room of red lights dimmed by little carved lanterns and rich rare rugs and pictures by great masters in gilded frames and walls lined with the books she loves best in royal bindings and she shall have servants to wait upon her and do her bidding and we will send to paris for her gowns and her bonnets and her wraps and she shall have carriages and coachmen and footmen a victoria i think i shall order for her very elegant lined with blue to match her eyes no that would be too light her eyes are beautiful cyclona don't think for a moment that they are not but can you understand i wonder how eyes can be very beautiful and yet of a cold and steely blue that sometimes freezes the blood in your veins a little too light perhaps and that gives them the look of clear cold cut steel i shall have the linings of her victoria light but not quite so light a little darker and warmer perhaps the footman with the livery to match that goes without saying and she shall have outriders too if she likes as in the olden time back there at home in the south no grand dame of the old and splendid south she loves so well shall be so grand as she shall be so splendid as she when we shall have finished the beautiful house for her cyclona wildly how could we expect a little delicate frail southern woman to come and live in a hole in the ground how could we why shouldn't she hate the wind ah we must still the winds we must still the winds but how at this seth was wont to rise to walk the circumscribed length of his miserable dwelling and to worry his soul 
"'How shall we still the winds?' he would moan. "'How shall we still the winds that the sound of them shall not disturb her?' After a long time of thinking, "'Cyclona,' he concluded, "'in some countries they move forests, don't they? "'Have I read that or dreamed it? "'If only we could move a forest or two onto these vast prairies, "'that would still the winds.' Tall trees penetrating the skies would be impassable barriers to the terrible winds that have full sweep as it is. They would still the winds, those forests, if we could move them. Cyclona's heart was full at this, for Seth was far from sane, alas, when he talked of moving forests of trees to the barren prairies. The idea at last struck him as preposterous. "'We will build tall trees,' he continued quickly, as if to cover the tracks of his mistakes. "'We will build trees that will take root in the night and spring up before morning. Trees that will grow and grow and grow. Magic trees growing so quickly in the lush black soil of the prairie, once we get them started, the soil so near the underground streams by the rivers here, that the angels would look down in wonderment. They would, to see how quickly they would grow. Such trees would temper the winds that blow so now, because they have full sweep, because there is nothing to stop them. Winds, like everything else, are amenable to control, if you only know how to control them. These tall trees will not only break the force of the winds, but they will shade her beautiful face as she drives about. They will shut off the too ardent sun that would wish to kiss her. Now and again Cyclona grew a trifle impatient of this beautiful creature whose character she knew, whose child she had cared for and helped to bury, grew a trifle tired of hearing hymns sung in her praise. "'Where is she now?' she asked listlessly, knowing full well, merely to continue if the talk pleased him, tired as she was. "'Charlie,' smiled Seth, and never once did Cyclona correct him when he called her Charlie, reasoning that perhaps the spirit of the child was near him, since there were those who believed that, and it was comforting. "'She is like the flowers, that beautiful one.' She knows better than to bloom in this God-forsaken country, that was what she called it, where you can't get the flowers to bloom because of the wind that is forever blowing. She lives now where the flowers bloom and the wind never blows. Cyclona lifted her head to listen to the moan and the sough of the wind. I love it, she said. So do I, said Seth though sometimes I am half afraid of it, thinking it is getting into my brain, but she hated it. But never mind. When we grow tall trees, that will break the force of the wind, and shade her from the sun, and build the beautiful house for her. She will come back home and live in it with us, and we shall be happy, happy. We shall forget all our sorrow, we shall be so happy." At that moment, the moment of the going down of the sun, the wind dropped 
and the passing clouds let in the gleam of the sunset at the window. It rested goldenly on Seth's face. It illumined it. It glorified it. Cyclona looked at him long and earnestly, at the strong, fine lines of sadness brought beautifully out by this unexpected highlight of the skies, accentuated Rembrandt-like against the darkness of the earth-colored hole in the ground. Then she bent her sunburnt head, and a tear fell on her hand outstretched upon the table. At sight of the tear, Seth was like a man who is all at once drunk with new wine. There is truth in the wine. There are times when it clears the brain for the moment, and reveals things as they are. He looked at Cyclona with new eyes. It was as if he had never before seen her. She differed from Celia as the wild rose differs from the rose that blooms in hothouses, and yet how beautiful she was. He realized for the first time her wonderful beauty. So olive of complexion with a delicate tinge of rose showing through, so bronze of hair in close-cut sun-kissed curls, the little curls that gave her a boyish look in spite of the fact that she had blossomed into radiant womanhood, the big brown eyes, the curve of the neck, the little tip-tilted chin. Seth had been hardly human if the thought of forgetting Celia and her indifference in Cyclona's arms had not more than once presented itself. It presented itself now with the strength of strong winds. Without home or kindred, without tie or connection, she was a flower in his pathway. He had only to reach out and pluck her, and wear her on his heart. There were none to gainsay him. No mortal lived who dared defend her or say nay. Why waste his life, then, in dreams and fantasies, in regrets and hopings, when here lay a glowing, breathing, living reality? He reached out his hand and caught hers in a firm, compelling grasp. A splendid creature sent to comfort him. A creature blown by the winds of heaven to his threshold. A dear, defenseless thing without home or kindred, unprotected, uncared of, weak and in need of affection, in dire need of love. Helpless, unshielded, unguarded, unprotected, unguarded, uncared for. Seth frowned. The wind had wafted itself into his brain again. He was growing dazed. He caught his hand away from Cyclona's. He thrust his fingers through his hair. He pressed them over his eyes. These strange words persisted in piling themselves solidly between him and his desire. They formed a barrier stronger than walls of brick or mortar. Unprotected, defenseless, unguarded, uncared for, this girl who had rocked his child and Celia's in her arms, who had held him close to the warmth of her young bosom, this beautiful unprotected girl who had tenderly closed the eyes of his child. The fragile barrier built by unseen hands was cloud-high now. In the wraith of Cyclona, 
had occupied the chair there by his side, she could scarcely have been further removed from his embrace. Humbly, Seth bent over the small brown hand. Reverently, he kissed away the tear. End of chapter 17 Recording by Roger Moline